Welcome to Whiskey Fit, where we believe every bottle of whiskey has a story to tell. Three guys, one bottle, endless bonding. Here are your hosts, Ryan, Evan, and JJ. Welcome back to Whiskey Fit. This is episode number two, season number two. Sorry if we've got some chuckles going on off air. We had a couple funny comments, but as always... This is the lesser of the three leading you off. This is Evan, and over down at the end of the table is... Hello, everybody. This is Ryan. Good to hear you again. Hi, this is JJ. And Evan, stop selling yourself so short. You are not the lesser of us all. You got a real lisp in your voice in that. I know, right? Uh, But today, as we told you in episode one, we wanted to bring you something a little bit different in season two, so we wanted to bring you another guest. So in episode two, we have Lucas Reiner, or Luke, you might hear us talk to him in two different names or call him two different names, but Lucas, say hello to us. Hey everybody, thanks for having me. Lucas, uh, I won't take too much of his thunder, but he is currently, I believe, an airline pilot. Don't know for which one. I'm sure he'll go deeper into that. He also has a fantastic background and some fun things that he'll talk to us, too. But, mm, Lucas. Can't wait. <laughs> That's going to be so much fun. Tell us a little bit synopsis about yourself, man. Uh, from the jump, uh, born and raised in a town called Oak Park, Illinois, which is a Chicago suburb. Technically a suburb, about four blocks from the uh, inner city. So very, very close to sh- downtown Chicago. Mom was a Chicago public school teacher. Dad is an architect and owns a construction company. Uh, grew up there. Went to college just outside of school. Or I went to school just outside of Chicago at a private school called Lewis University, which uh, happened to have a really good aviation program. So got my degree there and uh, started flying jets. And in the middle of that somewhere, we'll get into this, I'm sure, but uh, grew up playing a couple of blocks from the ice rink. And uh, grew up playing ice hockey, which translated into holding a girl's hand and having a pretty long and serious competitive figure skating career, which sounds hilarious to say out loud, but is a fact of my reality. (laughs) The the other side of this, too, is like you look at Lucas and you don't think figure skater. You think really tight tights and, you know, granted, your pants are kind of tight, but... Like you think skinny, non athletic, but not like strong and all this. That's not what you look like walking around in the park in the world. That is exactly what I see when I see Lucas. The first day that he walked in, it was exactly what I pictured in my mind. For sure, yeah. And so when I first, when I saw the first. Disney on Ice dance that he showed me. I was like, "Of course, that's you." That's why you hugged me. One hundred percent is exactly you. This is the one podcast. That where I wish we had video, because he's by far the best looking. Oh, that, that's true. He's definitely the best looking guest we've sorry, had. Sorry, Angela. I'm sorry, Chelsea. Well, he's I'm the sorry. best looking guest we've had. Yeah, that I mean, is. He's a pretty man. He is a pretty man. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I don't either, man. Sit there I don't either. Like, yeah. just, I'm gonna try to bulldoze through this thing that's going on right now. It's got weird fast. Um, so, I mean, it's whiskey fit as always. Yeah. What did you? I don't even see it on the oh, table. It's right there. Would you mind passing? Uh, we have a, a, a fifth person here too, as well. Thank you so much, Vanna White. Oh, um, yeah. So this is what not a 750 milliliter. That's a one gallon bottle right there. One and a half. There is, is a story behind this, and yeah. it's relevant actually to, to you fellows. So this is this is a TX mm-hmm. whiskey, and the reason it's relevant. Classic. It's, it, this would be a good piece of consumer advice for you folks out there, because I'll, I'll word this the exact same way I, I found out about it, which is actually through Ryan. You don't remember this. Okay. So I'm a first 
week, I had discovered your gym. I had just moved here. From, How did you find us? You know, I auditioned like five gyms. Did you really? Oh yeah, That's fantastic. That's such a figure skater of you. Like I'm gonna audition these people. Audition. Well, I, like, I like totally missed the word audition. Thank you for pointing else. it out, though. <laughs> oh, I can get into all the my yeah, man tech run to the tech run. So what? Ha- um, we all know, like CrossFit gyms are communities, yeah. right? And so the community matters a lot, right? And I had come from a gym. I started CrossFit like six years ago in Charlotte. And you only know what you know, right? So I knew that gym and, and you know, come to find out it probably wasn't as a sophisticated operation as you guys have. But it was fine. And that's how I got started. And, um, and when I got to Dallas, I wanted to be in a competitive gym but had a real community but also had some real athletes in it and have that kind of mix of like we're glad you're here but like we've got some talent in the house you're too talking about me right i am yeah mm-hmm. so i went to several places and you know it's it's none, none of these are right or wrong answers but they're you know some gyms have different ideologies whether they're there to lose 10 pounds or they're there to socialize with their friends or they're there just because everyone's great friends or whatever. And when I found NFX, it was clear to me that one of the most important things to me was that like it was welcoming, but also there was a population of guys and girls that were, you know, 10 or 20% better than I am. Right. Trying to get after it. Yeah, because yeah. I need to chase somebody, right? Sure. Like I, I I like that. And you know, everyone's got their ML, but that that's what you guys did really well. Um and that's what stood out to me in the beginning. And the other, like the big separator, I think that NFX really did is that you have a very analytical data science based approach to our programming, which is really unique in the cross CrossFit space. So the idea that we traditionally ran around with, you know, RX and ladies and men's weights, you know, is a far less sophisticated way about going about it. So when I found like, you know, we're doing a six, eight week arc, and we're going to be aiming at that target eight eight weeks now. We're going to assess on day one and day eight. And we're going to go through this program. Yeah, almost no one does that, you know. And and my wife, who and I'll get into her background in a while, but works for the U.S. Figure Skating Team and works at the Olympic Training Center and has access to the best people in the planet that deal with physical fitness. Um you know, I run by what I'm doing with her, and she's like, "That is exactly what we teach." Like your programming is world class, it really is. So hats off to you about all that. So end of it. No, 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 no. That is the Evan show. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not claiming that. No, I'm yeah. not claiming that. But I got to get this back to whiskey. No, sir. So yes, we do need can to get back to whiskey for this entire season. Evan that's hates far? when it's, you say anything positive asterisk? about him. He cannot stand Evan's any type of yeah, positive yeah, attention. Yeah. Uh, no, but that's real. That's real, and the data backs it up. But. Thank you very much. But so the TX. So you were first of all, I didn't know that you came <laughs> oh from Charlotte. Oh my god, that hurt a little bit. That so transition the, was bad, very bad. Yeah. So the Fucking TX. Just, take it. just sit here. And, so I'm. And we, we all appreciate you, Evan. We like you. You do a really good job of programming. It's awesome. Even though I want to fucking punch you in the nuts. <laughs> so I'm week one in the gym. I'm the new guy. I'm Ryan's obviously the first person anybody meets, right? And I said, For, they've all called him really good looking. For those of you. We didn't really describe it. Lucas is a taller human. He's about six foot three. He's also, we've already established, he is a good looking. He's also a very, what we'll call a a fit, chiseled up person. So when that person walks into a gym, yeah. 
beyond what popular belief is, is that most people and 95% of people in gyms don't look like they necessarily belong in gyms. Sure. Like they just like look like your average Joe's. So when Lucas walks into a gym, immediately pretty much everybody's antennas go up and he's really hard to miss because it's like, who's the six foot three fit looking guy that just walked into the gym? Yeah. So keep on going. Um, I'm the one probably getting my ass kicked by most of you guys. But anyway, Ryan's the first guy I meet and I'm new to Dallas as well. And so I, and I, we, conversation comes up that you're into whiskey. And I said, look, you know, I'm just looking for a really like, a, again, a good piece of consumer advice. Like I don't want the celebration once a year at $500 thing. Like what's your go-to yep. staple, your $40, $50, you know, um, whiskey that you want to have on a Saturday night, you know? Yep. And he goes, Oh, you got to try this TX whiskey. What year did you join? It's been three years now. Yeah, so he's changed. 19-ish. Was this before, oh, this was before your, your I'm dark right. years. This was before the 56 days in a row. Yeah, yeah. This was before <laughs> COVID. And- yeah, this is uh, – yeah. I joined in December three years ago. I just had my yeah. three-year anniversary. So uh, it's the uh, first week of March for folks out there listening yeah. right Sorry, now. Sorry, we just we keep – no, it's all good. So he says, try this TX, which obviously is a Texas brand, right? Yep. And I'm new to Texas. So so I go to the, the store and I find it and uh, and it was great. And so the reason it's significant to me is that, especially when you guys invited me on, is that A, I found out through Ryan and it kind of like symbolizes my start <laughs> in Texas, like my new life, you know, here. So like, it's always going to have a fond memory because those yeah. two things kind of coincide. Straight on the money, man. Yeah, from this guy's on the Sweet. table. So, yeah. Make Ryan cry Sweet. so yeah. fast. Dude, really dude, dude, like, no, nah, I'm good right so now. I'm good right now. Right I missed now. it. You guys started talking shit too quick. <laughs> I, I got to have my first <laughs> and, sip. And it, yeah, cheers up to cheers, that. Fellas. Cheers to you on that, brother. Hey, thanks for the uh, invite. Uh, Honored to be here. Why, why, why we don't do this normally? You slot, dude, you drinking fast over there. You trying to get out of here quick? No, I'm just, I take my couple sips on the And it's interesting. Yeah, so what Evan alluded to a little bit there. It's the first time that, um, you know, before COVID, I, I mean, I, I liked whiskey. My wife and I, we were into whiskey, like we drank whiskey, but not to where we are now. And then COVID, like everything had changed so much. But it, it was just one of those easy ones, like a TX or Basil Hayden's or something where it's like, hey, I need something to, you know, to use a cross analogy, on ramp myself into this whiskey. How do I start into whiskey? And it's just perfect. And to me, it ties in the... It, it ties in. It's an easy drinking whiskey that people can appreciate that tastes really good. And then on the other side of it, it's Texas. And it's like it, me being newer to the state. You know, I've only been here 11 years, 12 years. The sense of pride in this state, which is what I fell in love with Texas is. Like people that are from Texas, they fucking love Texas, man. Like it is Texas. Anyway, I'm the only native I, Texas person. The you room. are right. correct. I'm the only native and I, and I think that's the other reason why the whiskey is so badass. One of the many that are from Texas is that it's Texas. So, so you TX, you have it. Um, by the way, he bought it. I don't know if you heard, he brought a gallon uh, to this bad boy. <laughs> it's not a gallon. It's, it's a one seven five. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a half gallon. It's a 175, man. Yeah, family pack. All right, so <laughs> a little bit back on to it. So TX Whiskey, I am going to take a hard left turn. You said you went to aviation school flying jets. So you're flying – you fly small jets, big jets? Started off, you know, like everybody, flying Cessnas, little four-seater airplanes, the propeller on front in college. Okay. Uh, first job, I was very fortunate. I got hired really young. 
Uh, I got hired, um, actually interviewed and got hired April of my senior year of college. I was 23 (laughs) before I graduated through a special program where I got very fortunate. One of my best buddies was the Val Victorian of my university and and graduated a year ahead of me and got a job at this airline called PSA. And uh, he kind of got brought on because his academics were so outstanding. And my academics are very average. Um, But after his first year, he did a great job. And they said, is there anyone else you'd recommend? And I was just the lucky idiot that happened to get that phone call. So he recommended me. I went out there and took the the interview April of my senior year and and talked my way into my first (laughs) job somehow. So then I I started flying jets right away out of college, which is real unusual. Most folks take a couple years to gain the experience required. So I started flying 50-seat jets and became an instructor right away. So I sat in classrooms, believe it or not, and and taught all the systems and how the jets work um, for several years, the first two years, and then would fly a little on the weekends. And that was the compromise. We'll let you work here, but you got to teach in the classroom and we'll fly occasionally. After my two-year commitment ran out, I became a co-pilot first officer, did that for several more years. And then eventually became a captain and then became what they call a Czech airman, which is a captain instructor. So captains have to be reevaluated every six months or nine months, sometimes every year. And I was basically the guy that would evaluate them and then say if they were proficient or not. And if they needed more training, I would conduct that as well. So that happened in like a 50 to 70 seat jet. And then once you get enough experience there, then you get to go to the big airlines. So I'm, I'm fortunate enough not to go to the big air, one of the big airlines here in the U S and I flew the Airbus, which is like a 218, 220 seat jet. Most of you're familiar with that. It's uh, a one aisle, three seats on either side. And uh, in the last, the big reason I came to Texas, another reason to celebrate was my whole career had kind of been leading up to the the dream job and I now fly the triple seven which is mm. uh three hundred people pretty much anywhere. Is that like the double decker plane? It's no. single single story, but it's big. If you're like a seven forty seven, it's five feet longer than that. Is it the like whatever like two four two whatever it's got two aisles in it it's two aisles yeah the the stat that's that'll jump out which is pretty nuts is if you've been in a, a 737 which mm-hmm. is like what southwest flies for example mm-hmm. if you sat in that fuselage that fuselage diameter is the exact diameter of my airplane's engine mm. to the inch so next time you're sitting in that airplane looking around that's my engine that's crazy. Oh, okay. These are that yeah, oh, it's that's the yeah. intercontinental jet now. I mean, this is uh Yeah, so I'm flying. doing Japan and yeah. Asia. The and shortest Hawaii. thing I do is Hawaii and yeah. a lot of Europe and South America. So, okay. Now I'm going to go ahead and here's the the can of worms. Oh, I'm I can't open wait. it. Yeah. So, for those of you that caught it at the very beginning, Lucas did say that he was not joking. He has had an incredibly successful career as a figure skater. He is now retired since he was a professional figure skater. We've got to talk to him off air about this, but so you went small jet straight out, 23 years old, you get hired, you're working on the, or you're flying on the weekends, you're teaching during the middle of the week and you're working your way up in the rankings, but yet you're also pursuing a professional career in figure skating. How the fuck does that work? Yeah. So most of my career, I was still in school. So, uh, started, you know, hockey until sixth, seventh grade and was pretty good at hockey. Um, I started playing middle school hockey in fourth grade. 
um, when I was, you know, three, four years younger than most of the kids on the team. But I was big. I was a six foot eighth grader. Um, and so I was the, the, um, the hockey coaches were like basically recruiting me. But we had taken figure – the hockey coaches actually encouraged us to take figure skating sure. lessons to improve our skating. So yeah. I'm this tall guy. They, they asked me to skate with this girl. We start doing well. And effectively, the figure skating coaches – I didn't know it at the time because I was a kid – just did a better job recruiting me. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, hey, there's a bunch of pretty girls here. Like you're going to see the world. You're going to travel and whatever. Like you've got a real lane to run in here. We think you can really go somewhere. So – Long story short, figure skating's at 5 a.m. Hockey's like 9, 10 p.m. So I was going to have to make a decision. I couldn't do both. So uh, after the the sales pitch, I ended up going with with figure skating and, and the partner, and we went all in at that point. So by my senior year, I kind of hit my lifelong goal, which was the the national championships, which is our Super Bowl. So that's what you see on TV, the Team USA people, and you know, live sports in an arena. Um, you know, the first time I, I went, I was at, um, in Cleveland where the Cavs play. So I had that moment where you, you know, you walk out of the tunnel and it just, you know, I don't think anybody here has, I've never been, I've never walked out of the tunnel with 30,000 people screaming. So, well, I missed that. The moment for me was actually before the people were there. So I'd watched this on TV my whole life, just like sure. we watch NFL or NHL or whatever, yeah. right? And so, you know, you've seen this on TV forever, and you're watching all the athletes, you know these folks. Yeah. And then you're in the locker room, and you're sitting with people like that are, like, for real famous. I mean, right. back in the day, skating was much more popular than it is now. But, you know, you're in the room with even people people know now, Michelle Kwan and sure. folks Holy like hell. that. Yeah, you're just all of a sudden, you're, like, in that room which is pretty surreal. And the moment for me that was wild was we had a practice, you know, when the facility was closed to the public, but we walk out of the tunnel and you look at all the sponsors, you know, and team USA and they have the, you know, the Olympic theme music plays in the background. You just hear it. Yeah. And I told my coach, I was like, I just need a minute. And I went out (laughs) to the middle of the rink and just like looked around at 30,000 empty seats and was like, I can't even believe I'm fucking here. Like, I'm an idiot. Like, what? How did this happen? You know what I mean? So, let anybody in this place. Yeah, exactly. So that was my senior year of high school. And then, um, and then, um, the challenge was, do I go to college or do I go all in and skating? Now, understand there's, there's only, the only, for me to get to this national championships, I mean, this is a lifetime of work, but there's only don't even take the top ten people in the in the country to go to this thing. So you have to qualify and qualify and sure. qualify. And at the time, when you're considered top ten in the country, I was the only one of my peers that was in school at all. Everyone's yeah. homeschooled. So at I was going to ask that. I've yeah. I've had some experience with family members that on the gymnastics side, like. They had to leave school at like 12 years old and go into basically like gymnastics school. Common in skating as well. Okay. Yeah. So my mom, Chicago public school teacher, wasn't having that shit. <laughs> period. Yeah. And thank God for her because uh, I have no regrets in retrospect. But at the time, no question, it was it was a handicap. Sure. No doubt. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So then the discussion when I went to college was like, and my partner was a couple of years younger. She was still in high school. Mm-hmm. So the discussion was like, do I stay home and just train full time and really go for it, right? Right. So 
what happened was I, I was interested in aviation and Lewis, the school outside of Chicago, happened to only be like 45 minutes away and had an outstanding aviation program. And it allowed me to be close enough to train with my partner still and go to college. So you're right. You ask, how does that happen? My freshman, sophomore year were brutal because yeah. I was training at an elite level and going to school full time trying to um, get my degree in aviation while, you know, being like on the national Which is pretty, team. I mean, it's not like getting a history degree. I mean, I know a guy that got a history degree. It's pretty easy. <laughs> he doesn't use it. It's, you know, I was interested in like it, so it, it came pretty naturally to me. Honestly, the aviation stuff, I, I could get A's in. It was like the gen ed stuff, and it was a private Catholic school, so I'm taking like theology classes, and I'm sure. killing myself to get a B, you know? Yeah. Um, so we we did that, and that allowed me to train uh, and go to school at the same time. Um but it was super challenging. I was also working. I would coach skating at like 5.30 a.m. for like three hours and then make a little money and then go to school all day and then leave at like 1.30 p.m. and then train all evening, then come home for dinner at like 7.30 and then do homework and then get up at, you know, go to bed at midnight and then back to the rink at 5.30 and, you know, pound Mountain Dew and Good thing there wasn't other drugs around because yeah. I probably yes. would have done those too. Because <laughs> I was like just wired on caffeine. I used to drink Mountain Dew like it was a drug. It's like disgusting now. It's all that sugar, dude. It's like that was that's that's hillbilly syrup. That's yeah, like, dude. I, I drank cases of that shit. Every yeah, day. coffee. So you, you said you went through. Well, hold on. We'll take a quick quick twenty seconds so we can oh. at least do a neat. Oh, neat. What, I forgot it. It was so long ago. I'm not real sure. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, drink some more. <laughs> There's a handle. There's a Super. Um, it, because I have such vast experience with this, because I've drinking a lot of this. Well, this was the initial one. Like, this is the one that introduced my wife and I to whiskey. This was, your this was, this was our, that's right. 100%. This, this was my gateway drug. Uh, <laughs> and it, 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 it's what it always has been. It's so vanilla-y. It's so sweet, and there's so much vanilla in there. Um, it's, I mean, it's really good. It's what I taste, though. Yeah, it's way vanilla. JJ, same. Vanilla. Wow. I didn't catch any caramel. Like, like I did, there was no caramel to it. It wasn't. You didn't even have to say it. You didn't have to say it. I, but I, I needed to. But like, I have to say that word every time. So there was a, in the neat. There was the, there was a little bit of burn to it, a little bit of a bite. It gave me like the first thing. I've honestly never tried TX. Like this is one of the things I've just never drank. It's TX. Almost blasphemy. I know, right? It's but fine. like, I, I'm a, nice, right? But yeah, it's good. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's smooth there in the beginning. It has a little bit of a bite, a little bit of a kick, but then that goes away after the first sip. Um, and then it's it's got some vanilla and and florally notes because that's what vanilla is to me is sure. floral. Uh, so okay, there you go. So nice. My palate sucks. Just to put that out there for reference. Well, so I've had I've had yeah, sinus surgery, deviated septum surgery. Uh, actually, just getting over a sinus infection Good like point. last week. So yeah. uh, don't trust me. But no, I think it's excellent. Yeah. Um, now that you say vanilla, I can't escape it. It's it, yeah. it's got a vanilla it's there. It's strong. Yeah, no, it's great. It's easy uh, to drink. It's you know it's Texas in a bottle. This thing like had a Corvette, a V eight, an AR fifteen. This is what it would be in a glass. Yeah, that's pretty you much all I mean? you need. Yeah, yeah a yeah. Corvette, an AR fifteen, yeah. and a Bible. And, oh, welcome yeah. to Texas. Yeah, no, this thing is half bald eagle. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I can't even. I can't top that. I'm not even gonna try to top that. Damn. 
I think he just broke a chair. Fat ass breaking chairs. I'm even down 25 pounds, man. What the fuck? I'm just breaking chairs. So episode one, for those of you that have listened to episode one, was that badass, very rare Middletons, right? Which was 80 proof. Yeah. This is only 82 proof. Correct. Yeah. And I actually had more burn in the chest from the Middletons than I did from Mm. the TX. So I, I actually neat. I would drink this neat more than I would have drank the Middletons. So just that makes sense. Yeah, neat. Um, and then we do have a couple guests off uh, air, and one of them said apricots or apricots, depending yep. how you uh, pronounce it. And, and I can't. Uh, tomato, I can't tomato. That. Yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's very fruity. So wanted to. to yeah, so and got? and and so when he talks about yeah, it's like a bald eagle in a bottle, right? So the Texas pride that we're all aware of that I already spoke on a little bit. And like in that bottle, so the bottle is cool looking. It's basic, right? But it's a very cool looking bottle. However, the other pieces of the bottle, so like the canvas that's on there that you see, right? That piece of Kansas, canvas, that represents, this is not me speaking, this is TX company speaking. It's like the chuck wagons of the 17 and 1800s. That's what that canvas piece represents, other cool, the fun fact of TX whiskey is the bottle cap on the very top. You see that fine piece of leather you just put your hands on. So initially, when they started this brand, and I uh, 2012 ish, I feel somewhere around there, like 2012 ish, where they started that the distillery is very close to the Justin's Boot Company, right? And so when they started, what they did was to make the top of the bottle caps, they got old leather scraps from the Justin's boot uh, place. And that's how that was like their little thing. That was their claim to fame on their, on their tops. Now they use the, the it's really cool. Now, like they'll get donated um, saddles. They'll get donated boots from famous people and they'll just punch out pieces of their leather boots or their leather saddles. And they'll make them into boot cap into the, to the boot, the um, bottle tops. So when you have all these bottle tops, if you bought 50 bottles of TX whiskey, you'll get 50 different pieces of leather on top of there. It's always different. So oh, that's, that's cool. That's a little other claim. That, and that's once again. It's a hell of a marketing tool. It's Texas though, right? Here's our pride, our chuck wagons, our leather boots and saddles. Like he's right. It's, sure it's a bald eagle in a bottle. I for yeah. sure thought you were going to tell me like this was supposed to be like a mock metal from like a, a wagon of some it, that's sort. A like of that, like, that's a piece of it too. That's a piece of it too. You are correct. It's all incorporated into the bottle. Everybody needs to go out and make sure they just get a bottle of, of Texas TX. Pride in a bottle. Because price point's not bad, right? What, no. We said no, real reasonable. I, I think that big handle is maybe 70 bucks. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, It's like that, in that Woodford Reserve. Yeah, 45-ish. Of, bullet yeah. kind of price point. It's yeah. the it's like the not it's like the medium shelf, nice stuff, but not expensive yeah. stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's right Very on the mark. All right, so back to yeah. talking about you. So you mentioned when I before the twenty second that turned into a full timeout. Um, <laughs> you mentioned that your freshman and sophomore year were hell. I can only assume after sophomore year you had to make some sort of a decision with skating. Yeah, correct. So that was two thousand two Olympic trials that year. So you were for again, so people can grasp. We're not just talking to some like recreational fucking skater. You were trying to make the fucking Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I was. I mean, yeah, as a pipe dream, yes. I was, you know, for people in that world, I wasn't really in the discussion. So, like, the, the way I could put this in a CrossFit analogy, this is like I would be a, a you know, top half games athlete 
So like you had to be really good to suck in their realm. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you're with the best people on the planet, right? Sure. And a lot of these people that I'm friends with to this day, some of these are my best friends in my life. I mean, they're they're Olympians now, and you know they're Hall of Fame people in our well, world. You said um, that you've gotten to go to a couple of Olympics because your friends competed in the Olympics. Yeah, I went to Torino, um, which was a really special scenario. But yeah, my old roommate that lived with me for two years was my coach was in a Russian Olympic gold medalist. And the Russian Federation would send their best athletes to to Chicago to train with my coach because he he won the coaching or won the gold in '88. So they would send their best prospects to Chicago to train with him. And my parents had a very kind of open door policy, so we would house these Russian skaters. So you were a communist. Baby, well, house a few. Yeah, I've been joking for years. The CIA has tapped the shit out of my phones. I'm sure. <laughs> so, um. So I had a guy, Max, his name was Maxime Marinin, but we called him Max. He lived with me for two years. I bet that was his name. He uh, was... Was that his communist name or was that his... That, was his, what he, what he got that was his Russian name. And uh, he he was by far the best pair skater in the world. And I was just real lucky to train and live with him every day. And um, he... just the, uh, So he he went to Torino and won the gold by like a mile and a half, which mm. is pretty cool. So my decision was my sophomore year was Salt Lake games were over. Um, I wasn't really in the discussion, but like the discussion was like, do I push for, for, for real for the next four and, and try for Torino. And I was strongly considering stopping school, moving to an Olympic training center in Detroit. I had some offers as a guy, you're lucky, right? Because the, the ratio from men to women is so lopsided. Sure. These women who are looking for talented partners will recruit you. Skating is extremely expensive. And if, if there's families with means, blades of glory, Wait, hold on. Isn't that called prostitution? Yeah. It's yeah. Same thing. Yeah, I was basically going to whore myself out. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, I so mean, they're like, gold, you want to for a gold medal? Sounds yeah. Like, that sounds yeah. like a pretty solid life decision. You guys have seen the Cutting Edge movie from the nineties? Yeah, Cutting Edge. Yes, but it's kind of like that. Blades so yeah, I just see Blades of Glory. But yeah. It's fine. Well, yeah, I'm more at home there. Let's not yeah. lie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably puke inside my yeah my my, my, my mask. Yeah. The, well, yeah. Um, yep. um, we haven't got to Disney on Ice yet. Go ahead. Yeah, we're getting there. So yeah. uh, the decision was <laughs> was to drop out of school, move to Olympic Training Center, push for four years, and see what happens in Torino, or retire. And at this point, had you like your partner? You said was two years younger. Had she was so she, she not good enough anymore? So she was good, but she was graduating from high school as well. So that was like we we're gonna have to like make a move or not at that time. So I had just had it. I had trained for 20 years at this point. Like, remember, this is a six-day-a-week, 5 a.m. grind from third grade. Yes. Always. You know, 5 a.m. in college, you know, trying to, like, have some – years. Trying to have some kind of social life, whatever. Sure. And I was, I was just really burnt out and really tired, and I really wanted to learn aviation. I was dating a girl in college at the time that was also in aviation, so I had that whole angle kind of pulling me toward college. So I just said, you know what, guys, it's been a nice ride, but I'm out. So I retire, and I got a phone call about a month later out of left field that I was really, really not expecting. And that was a lady by the name of Judy, who is pretty famous in the skating world. And she's the head producer and like casting agent for Disney on Ice. Yes. And she tracks kind of the industry and she knows when kind of the, the 
top tier skaters aren't retiring and keeps track that's of that. Who she wants. Yeah. So I got a call and she basically said, we want you guys to star in our show and go on tour and, you know, be in a different city every week for the next nine months. And I'm like, look, Judy, it's August. I'm going to school in a month. I've been skating my whole life. All I want to do is fly and, and be a normal college student for once. And now you're asking me to drop out of school and leave all of that behind to go do a thing. I'm, pretty burnt out of thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. So I turned her down initially. Yep. My, my, uh, my partner who was 18, who was like a sister to me, I'm actually, I'm real proud to say this. She just called me a few months ago. I'm going to be officiating her wedding here, uh, in a few months. Yeah. So she is family and, uh, her parents are like second set of parents to me, but super cool. Where um, does she live at? Well, she, our story is neat. We grew up four or five blocks apart and we happen to be at the same local rink. This is super rare. We are our, each other's only partners for a whole career. Oh, wow. From, yeah. And I'm talking like, like imagine going to your local gym when you're in third grade yeah. and being a games athlete with that person, you know, 20 years later. Super so weird, yeah. That's crazy. And what made us valuable to Disney is that they could hire us as a unit, which again is pretty unusual. So they get a turnkey sure. team, which is which is hard for them to find. So anyway, she really wanted to go. And when I had a big talk with my folks and it was basically, this is kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. You finally have an opportunity to make a little money in the sure. sport because this sport just costs money most of the time hmm. and you can see the world and whatever so i said look i'll give them nine months but i'm i gotta finish school because i know if i don't you'll never go back yeah you get sucked yeah. in the vortex and that's it right so <clears throat> yep so i did i i mean i had books i had a roommate at everything and i dropped out my sophomore year and i went on tour and uh it was super eye-opening so disney on ice she was Snow White. I was the Snow White Prince is how that started. And that's where the tights come in. <laughs> I told y'all when we started this podcast, he was the best looking person that we've ever had on this podcast. And now you know why I say that. Oh, man. Anyway, so. It, it, it was at least a year or so, I think. I hold the cards pretty close you to my chest. You held the cards real tight. <laughs> Nobody Cause, knew. Because it was at least a year or more. Yes. Until he said anything. But when he did, it was, I mean, he opened Pandora's box because once he said it and I looked up his name in Disney on Ice on YouTube and I found all the videos like, hell, yes. In fact, let's go. Because there were many a classes where he was RSVP'd for noon class or something. And I just pulled up one of his, you know, <laughs> I pulled up one of the videos on the I TV. Did. And I did. I walked just, in one I day. I let that like, bitch oh, play for the whole class shit, while he was man. there. So I'm, I'm fascinated. God damn. I didn't know any of that until maybe like six, eight months ago. Yep. None of it. So I'm fascinated because he's told me this from the logistics side. So it's a nine-month contract, and you're in a different location every weekend. Yeah, correct. So Disney on Ice is a little-known fact. is actually owned by a company called Feld. Feld is Ringling Brothers. Okay. Um, so it's Great that- showman. Yeah, Ringling is literally Ringling Brothers and Bartleman here Brothers. We, Circus. Here we go. Uh, yeah, so fire up the show that. tunes. Uh, anyway, uh, yep. yeah. So you're in a and like an NBA NHL arena yeah. every week, all year. Yeah, and worldwide. So there was at the time there were seven shows worldwide. I happened to be on a North American tour, but I could have just as easily later. I did. I did a South America tour. I could have been in Europe, Southeast Asia. Define later. So you said you did like. Nine months of this. Was there more nine months? Yeah, you there was. Off? There was. So, you know, long story longer, uh, 
I did the uh, I did the nine months. I did exactly what I said I would do. I, I traveled. I did my thing. I had a, and, and by the way, I had a great time. I reluctantly went. I warmed up to it. I made some lifelong friends. Sure. Had a really unique experience. It is a life, life, uh, once in a lifetime experience. Also, of like one percent of one percent of people actually get to do it. It's there's also something super in specific. It's like being left out. Like you met your wife through this at some point. I did. Yeah, she was on the competitive side. Yeah, I actually met her when I was younger. But let me let me stay with the Disney thing. I'll get to to Melissa in a minute because it'll get confusing. But um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so, so much skating. There's so, so many much, girls and so skating. many girls. Let me get to that. Hold on. Yeah, there's, there's only like three straight guys. <laughs> yeah, she's used to it. Don't worry. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I did the the nine months and uh, I went back to school. And I, I did exactly what I said I would do. I went, I went to actually went to summer school all summer and all year to catch up that year I lost, and I was able to still graduate in four years. And then I got hired and and flew. So and I never did competitive skating again. Fast forward, we'll get Melissa in here. So when I the first year that I made that that national competition, I was telling you got my senior yeah. year of high school. I'm 18 years old. I, there's divisions, right? So I was a pair skater. I'm the guy that picks up the girls on TV and throws them through the air, right? There's ladies, men's, pairs, and dance. So I'm a pair skater. And one of the women that made nationals that year in ladies was my wife now. Her name was Melissa. So she was a super talented single skater. So she was skating against the girls that you guys know the name still, Michelle Kwan and they stab yeah. each other. Tara Lipinski. Sure, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a baseball bat to the knee. Yeah, I know exactly. where you're going with that. Yeah. So she was uh, one of those Tony girls. Harding, Kerrigan, and we, yeah. we throw these, these skating parties. They always have these kind of fancy parties, the competitor parties when things are over. Uh, think prom, right? Basically for kids. And uh, I saw this pretty girl. I'm 18 years old and I asked her to dance. And so that's how we met when we were 18. Nice. Never dated. We just, you know, slow she's from dance college. or fast dance. No, that was, if I asked her, it was definitely slow dance. Slow dance, yeah. okay. I, I don't know, but I, I didn't know if it was like I might have worked, a lot or yeah, creep, you know how you, you like know, you try to creep in there and you know put the hands on the hip like eighth grade style. <laughs> like I can't believe she's letting me get away with this. <laughs> sure, yeah, let's keep going. First base. Yeah, yeah, I mean, then it is probably yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, so we met then, and then knew each other and kept an eye on each other, knew of each other. And we were in kind of, you know, it's a small world. Sure. But she lived in Colorado. I lived in Chicago. I went to college. She went to college in Delaware. Like we were a long, long ways from each other. I was dating a girl for a long time in college. And when we broke up, I'm newly single and I'm going out. I'm a big snowboarder as well. So I'm out in Colorado to go snowboarding. And I'm like, I should look up this pretty blonde I know that lives in Denver. I haven't seen her in like six years. How did you look her up? This is pre-social media, right? No, you know what this is? You ready for this? I can't wait. MySpace? MySpace. MySpace. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the smoke show's on MySpace. Was so she like, in your top six friends? Probably. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember. Yeah, sure. She got there yeah. real quick. So <clears throat> I hit her up. Long story short, we reconnect like in our mid-20s in Colorado when I'm snowboarding. And I, I'm, at this point, I'm totally out of ice skating. I'm flying full-time at the airline. She turned pro as well and worked for Royal Caribbean. She was on the cruise ships. They have an ice show on the boat. No shit. So she traveled all over the world on the boat. She did a whole year in, in Europe and the Mediterranean. She did most of her career in the Caribbean. That's fantastic. So she did five years in the boat and then did a whole dozens of professional contracts all over the place. So she was a really talented pro ice skater. I only did that one year. I went back to school and got a job flying right away. Cause I like, again, I was burnt out. So we start dating pretty seriously 
and we're dating about a year. And she brings it up to me. She's all the places she worked. She had never worked for Disney. She calls me one day and she goes, look, I'm going to, I got recruited. I'm, I got a contract with Disney. I'm going to South America for, for three months. I'm a little bummed because I'm like, we're dating. We're really into each other. She's going to be on the other side of the world for three or four months. And she's also going to work with all of my old friends. Sure. And I'm like back at the grind, you know, flying airplanes. So she's getting ready to go down. She's about three weeks prior. I have not skated at this time for like six years in any capacity, <laughs> in any capacity. Oh, you, well, you were I, out. You were out. I was out. And yeah. I'm not working out even. Right. Ready oh, for God. this? 6'3", 159 pounds at this oh, point in my, my life. Oh, my gosh, Lucas. Yeah. I was rebellious of working out back then. Yeah. I had been sore it, my whole life. Sure. When I quit, it, I quit and I atrophied and got small. It's one thing that I've never understood. It's one thing that I've never understood until we started the gym and like you see it all the time. It's like this guy or girl shows up to the gym and they're like 26, 27 and they're out of shape and they're like, look, I, I want that fitness regimen again, but I had it for 15 years and coaches yelling at me and I don't want that shit anymore. And they just quit. Like I had to take a good seven, eight year hiatus. See it I all really the time. did. Yeah. Sure. I was I, just, it was, there was a lot of, lot to it anyway. So 100%. I'm way out of shape and I'm flying. She's going back to work with all my old friends and my old boss. So it's 2008. It's three weeks before she's leaving. The economy crashes. The airline says, look, we are furloughing people. We're letting people go. We're stopping hiring. And I was right on the cusp of being promoted to captain. And I just found out I wasn't going to get promoted for at least a year or two, which was devastating to me. Um, so I was really upset. And they said, look, if you will take a voluntary leave of absence, unpaid, that may alleviate someone getting laid off. So out of left field, I had this, this, the, the number to that producer at Disney on ice. And I called her without talking to Melissa. And I said, look, like, this is Lucas Finer. She's like, oh my God, I haven't talked to you in years. She'd call me year after year sometimes to see if I wanted to come back. You know, I always said no because I was flying. And she goes, what? You, like, I thought you were flying. Like, what can I? I said, look, you have, I'm dating this girl, Melissa. Like, you've hired her to do my actually old role. She hired Melissa to do Snow White now, which is the role I did, you know, eight years previous. Yeah. And I said, look, like, if you can hire me to be her partner on her show, I can be there. And she was like, done. Which was shocking because I had sure. she hadn't seen me in six or seven years. I was yeah. totally out of shape. No Keep in idea. mind, Melissa, no idea this has occurred. Right. So we're in Colorado. I play the voicemail on the phone for her to listen to over lunch. And it's like the head producer of Disney on Ice. And she's like, Hey, this is Judy. Like, you know, I'm just I got your your airfare, like you're flying to Buenos Aires. You're gonna be starting, you know, Snow White with Melissa like in three weeks. Like, you know, we'll see you soon. Melissa's like, what the, like, what are you talking about? Stalker. So that's what we did. So, so we she went, I, I quit the airline for like four months and, uh, we ended up being a, we started in Buenos Aires and skated together for just four months, just really for fun, honestly. Sure. And it allowed me to get out of the airline, but we did, you know, Rio, you know, Sao Paulo, um, all over, like all over South America. And, uh, we skated together that, that whole time. And then, then when that short contract was up, I really did retire from skating. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, I went back and I've, I've been flying full time ever since. And, uh, Melissa continued to turn pro. And then she parlayed that job into now she works for 
for for the U.S. figure skating team. So she she does all kind of what you do, she, what Evan does. She does all of the athletic off the ice, like conditioning and assessment testing for like the the, the athletes you see on TV. That's yeah. her job. So, which is a I mean, we could have Melissa on here and she could make me look like I'm a freaking infant as far as uh, knowledge goes. We may have to go She's that far away. Stop. Uh, so <laughs> Jesus, he doesn't Christ. like himself. He doesn't like himself. Gonna, no. Uh, like, get some self-confidence, asshole. Shit. <laughs> um, hashtag yep. fittest guy in the gym. <laughs> By the way. Second fittest. Uh, let's go with second fittest. Yeah, there, that's Lucas, true. But that's be, fine. Uh, the egos are delicate around this table. Know, okay. <laughs> uh, there's some yeah. things that I'm going to let slide. Uh, I've got the proof is in the, you know. Uh, wow. You, unless you lose tomorrow, my lot. <laughs> wow. I think I'll be all right. <laughs> Um, so you finally go into airline and then you, you sit on there and you've got two kids, right? Two. I do. I just had a, my oldest just turned nine last week and, and six. Yeah. So obviously I don't want to ask too much about them, but I always am curious about this. Um, was never pro anything, even that high level, but I did grow. I got born into a family that was all about sports. Dad was in Texas high school football, which y'all have all lived in Texas now. It's a religion essentially. Um, and like grew up and that's all I knew. And I credit my dad and I've told, said this before and I'm not going to go down that, but I credit him because he never, with my brother and I he never pushed it on either one of us. And both my brother and I ended up going and playing in college, smaller colleges, but we did something for essentially 15 years committed super high level. And I'm always curious. I mean, you and your wife have been at the pinnacle of the sport with your two kiddos how do you handle that? Because I'm sure they know mom and dad are incredibly good at that as well, or at least at one point in their life. How does that, from a parenting dynamic, how do you handle that? It's a little tricky because the burnout factor is really real. And you got to check yourself and understand that because you went into this thing, you know, 120% and I was willing to run through walls. There was no other higher priority in my life for decades. None. You know, I, my family went on vacations without me when I was a kid. You know, I didn't, even in college, I was up at 5 a.m., you know, on Saturdays sometimes, you know. And so you have to recognize that, like, just because you're willing to commit at that level doesn't make you normal. In fact, <laughs> yeah. that, that makes you weird. It makes yeah. you real abnormal. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing that, and I saw it a lot in the sport, and this is true in a lot of sports, but parents that projected that on their kids, it never works out. If you're not internally self-motivated to be there, you're going to be about 15, 16 and hate everything. You're going to hate your parents for making you do it. You're going to hate your coaches. You know, a lot of eating disorders manifest themselves sure. in the skating world. You know, there there's a lot of negatives that can happen. So we're sensitive to that stuff. That's awesome. So I mean, yeah. we're but I'm also understand and recognize like there's a real value in understanding how to grind, which is one of the most important things that is like one of my most important goals in my household is that like my girls need to know how to like hustle and grind and get good at something that is hard, even when they don't want to do it. Yeah. Because that life skill like that's if I do nothing else as a dad, that is the thing they're going to leave my house with sure. because that 
that translates to everything. 100%. And this idea of being comfortable and I don't feel like it and it's hard, you're you're going to – it does not serve people. You know, Ryan to come across the table right now. No. Yeah. He's going to get his big push. Yeah. Well, I'm just why, so is he t- why are you taking your shirt off, Ryan? It's so weird. Your <laughs> 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 like he's actually literally – <laughs> But, but he, I mean he's right on the mark with it where oh, it's like no – and I know Evan and I have these conversations all the time with our kids and stuff is uh, Alyssa and I are very – we're athletic and sportsy and all that type of stuff, but but not a specific sport. I really don't care what my kids do. That's not true. No, there's, I, there's well, you won't want to play soccer. I just don't there's want them to play soccer. But I, other than soccer, they could literally ice skate. That would be fine. <laughs> you know what soccer. the hardest thing about figure skating is? Telling your dad you want to figure skate. <laughs> <laughs> you're, better, you're better than soccer, in my opinion, because somebody wins and somebody loses. Anyway. The the whole like the whole thing with our kids is, is like what you're saying and Evans and talking about is that I don't really care what they do and I may not push them into one realm or the other but if they start it they're gonna finish it yeah. I don't care if you don't like it you're gonna finish it you have to finish it like quitting is just not an option it's one of those things that we just we're just not okay with that part you can play the season out and then if you don't want to go back that's fine. But if you're going to start some shit, like you're going to finish it for sure. My only rule for kids, um, and and it's they will have a team sport because I think that teaches too many life lessons. Yep. And then we will try if if the team sport thing isn't their jam, which for one of my kids it doesn't seem to be their jam. Um, we'll try individual sports and do stuff like that. But they will always, even with that, still have an individual sport or a team sport. Excuse me. They will always have that team sport because there's too much to learn in that of how to live life. No doubt. So full time out. Sure. We've got to, we got to, oh, yeah, we need to wrap up. Well, I mean, some will no. wrap. Yeah. Well, you know what? We can do that. Uh, while also encompassing all of it into yeah. it. We threw it on ice now. I'm already done. I've been done for like 20 minutes. I didn't do ice. I should have done that. Oh, well, okay. Well, Jesus. we'll get you. Damn, You're going to need handle? a better pour for your <laughs> ice there, sir. Threw it on ice though. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Sophisticated yeah. Palette Man, go ahead. I don't want to let anybody down and I don't want Lucas to get upset with me. Uh, it doesn't change. Neater on ice. It's it's super sweet, super soft, a perfect drinking whiskey, especially for folks that are brand new and or care about a price point. And so you could drink it straight. You could drink it on ice and there it's great both ways. Here's the other thing with it. You could mix it. If you want if you're like a mixer, some if people just satanic. it's a price point. It's a price point that it's you can a mix price it. point that is it is a great mixer. Like you could make an old fashioned with it or it'd be super sweet and well tasted like you can it. It's the uh, Swiss Army knife of whiskeys. How about that? Yeah, that was a good one. Nice. Look at you, JJ. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So for me, it did change because this is like, and, and I'm getting slammed as a 24 year Texan here. Um, this is the first time I've had TX, but when I put it on ice, it changed. It had some um, toasted almonds. Like if you want to go the full text Ooh. thing, is toasted pecan is what I call almonds it. and pecans, like toasted nuts. You are getting better. Okay. And caramel. <laughs> I told you. It's just, and, the and, word caramel is a Tourette's. And he just throws it out there just because he has to. <laughs> ain't a lick of caramel in that. There ain't a damn bit of caramel in it. No. <laughs> uh, Lucas, now that you re-poured on ice, uh, what do you got? And, for, uh, and again, this is they know the drill, but this is like you have 45 seconds a minute, homeless guy, billionaire, what would you tell them about the whiskey? Uh, it smells of 
leather bum books and yes. rich mahogany. Yes. <laughs> yes. And well, uh, and freedom in a bottle. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Awesome. Uh, I will throw on to it. One thing about it. Sure. Um, again, my palate, I'm, I'm going to not talk about my palate because it sucks, but it's one of the few that when we threw it on ice, uh, for me, it didn't feel uh, watered down and it didn't feel more tw- like lose its sweetness. Yeah. A lot of them we throw on ice and it'll lose its sweetness or it'll lose its, uh, I call it a syrupy taste. You throw this on ice and it still continues to have that, which I've found relatively uh, interesting with TX. So, yeah. uh, Lucas, it's your episode. Any final words? First of all, thank you from us. Yeah, I appreciate as, it. You know, but any final words for us? Thanks for having me. Uh, I feel really lucky to have found you guys as a community three years ago. It's been a big deal for me. Uh, my personal fitness level went, I was 175 pounds when I joined him 205 right now. I'll put it to you that Fucking way. Fucking lean, mean, and fighting. Solid machine. meat yeah. machine and right it's, there. That's, that's you guys, man. I just show up and do what you tell me. So thanks. <laughs> can, I t- can I say the one disappointment? Of course. He's an airline pilot without a, without a, what is it called? A code name? A, a call sign. Call sign. Yeah, no He's got call no sign. call sign. So I desperately wanted to fly fight our jets in the military because because yeah, yeah, we've all seen Top Gun. The sure, new yeah. one's so good, by the way. Oh Go see God. it. Even pilots say mm-hmm. so. We don't want to like it, and we love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just saw the the Goodyear blimp flying over the Daytona 500, and the yeah. sign said, "Don't shoot." <laughs> oh, that is fucking <laughs> fantastic! And on that note, that is no. no hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. If you were to have a call sign, though, I I know oh, you've thought man. of this in your in your pilot circle. You've had this conversation. So here's the what thing is with, it? So here's the deal with call signs in the military. And I, again, I'm, I understand I'm that They're, you you are not allowed to be to Fine. choose I'll, one. I'll flip it. They have to. You are given it, and it's usually something that makes you cringe. If Fine, you were to, we can do this. Okay. Not all three of us. He has to have a call sign. I'm pointing at Ryan right now. Uh-huh. You have to give him his call sign. What's his call sign? <laughs> His my, call sign? My man. It's got to make you cringe, though. <sighs> no, it's got to be good. This may be the hardest question we've ever had. Yeah, um, i got to give Ryan a call sign? Ryan a call sign. Mm. Or Evan. You can give Evan a call sign. It's got to be something like embarrassing that's just like fine. funny and an inside joke. And I'm trying to think. I, to, I feel like the beard's the low-hanging fruit. But I would call him point. Tequila Sunrise, personally. Tequila Sunrise. He, that would be the call sign. That's for too him. long. He can't have like Tequila Sunrise. Move in for the bomb kill. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that would That's work. We're going with Tequila Sunrise. That is episode two. Of what about, what about two. Lucas's? We have to name his. I already got his. Uh, okay, go. go. It's Long Legs. <laughs> long Legs signing my, out. See you. My friends call me Dandy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now.